Welcome to the Grandstand Golf Podcast. I am Kevin Bapti, and I'm joined, as always, by my brothers, Craig. Ah, yes, top villain. <laughs> hey, guys, how's it going? And Adam. What's going on, guys? I feel so like it's kind of like, you know, you know, when you have a and guest starring and it's like you went you went like either first or last. I don't quite know which is the premium. So you win either way. You win either, both yeah, ways. I feel true. like I'm bumped down the IMDB list of like star meter. I'm now <laughs> last billing. You guys read too much into this. I got <laughs> I really just look at the two of you and see what, which one needs a little pick me up. <laughs> it's good because um, I did need a little pick me up. <laughs> <laughs> well let's get back to it golf is back we just got, got to watch the century tournament of champions on the beautiful island of maui um adam why don't you give us a little bit of a recap yeah so in perhaps the perfect way to cap off the odd year that 2020 was we had harris english go wire to wire to win the tournament the quote-unquote tournament of champions and remember harris is only there because he got the invite from the top 30 from the fedex cup standings the previous uh year he hasn't, he hasn't actually won since 2013, so yeah. he's, got, he's got this special invite. He's there in, in Hawaii for the first time in a long time. He's going wire to wire and is in a playoff with Joaquin Neiman, sticks his second shot, or I guess that's the 18th, the 72nd hole, misses the eagle putt, then he gets to the playoff. He's in the playoff with Joaquin Neiman, gets a birdie, takes home the win, goes wire to wire, first win since 2013. What did you guys think? Well, I mean, it is absolutely classic COVID year that someone who wasn't a champion won the tournament of champions. But uh, <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I mean, I going into Sunday, I was pulling for Harris English, and then I'm like, I'm such a Walking Neiman fan that I was yeah. like, oh, actually, I really didn't expect him to have a shot at this thing. So you know, he went out there and he shot nine under. Um, so I, I was I was pretty happy with it going either way, but I, with all that Harris has done to get back to this level, um, it's not. And we've talked about it so much that like yeah. he's played so yeah. well, but he hasn't got a win. So it's nice to get the monkey off the back. Yeah, Harris played phenomenally. He really did. Over Friday and Saturday, I don't think he made a bogey either of those days. Um, he made one early on Thursday, I think, and then he, he it looked like he couldn't miss on Friday Saturday. With his putter, um, it was it was crazy hot. Oh, it was crazy. But even it, it didn't look like he was really in a lot of bad spots all yeah, day that's either. True. Yeah, no, he, that's, he didn't. Yeah. He, it never really looked like he was sweating. Um, and that's in Hawaii, so you know <laughs> that's that's <laughs> something. Um, and it wasn't until today on the front nine where it looked like maybe, you know, with the wind, he was going to have a little bit yeah. harder time. Um, and and truthfully, his front nine is the only reason that he anybody was even in the tournament with him because um if he had played that a couple under then nobody yeah. would have been able to catch him um well i mean neiman shot a 30 on the front um yeah but but yeah i agree like it, it was sort of like going into the day it was like oh harris is you know harris and ryan palmer are going to be duking this out and then by the time you know neiman was eight holes in he was already six under or something yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe five under at that point well, let's um, not forget about Morikawa too. I mean, I think he was one back. But one back, yeah. That that was probably my surprise of the day. Was you know mm-hmm. he got himself he he was falling back. I didn't expect him to be out of it. Yeah, he, essentially he was out yeah. of it after the front nine. Even yeah. even midway through the front nine, it, you got to be making, you know, you got to be making strokes in the right direction, not not falling back, and um, on that golf course especially. 
And but the story really went away from Harris, and it became Neiman and JT and and about other guys. And then it's yeah. like, oh, and then you know, early on the back nine, I think it was eleven, twelve. He was back to back birdies, um, and really like played his way back into being being the central point. And then by the time he got to those scoring holes, it was like, yep, like the opportunity's there for him to take this. Yeah, I, I believe he made three straight between eleven and thirteen. Yeah, that's right. Um, birdie, birdie, birdie. Eleven, twelve, then, thirteen. Yeah, just missed a birdie on fourteen and and birdied fifteen and got himself right back in the driver's seat. Um, and, and again, if it wasn't for the bogey he made on sixteen, he mm-hmm. he could have you know made it a little bit less dramatic at the end there. For sure. Um, and we were just talking about that before we went to air. That was he thought that putt was in. He he was quick walking that yeah. on sixteen. Uh, he thought that bo- that his par putt was in, and it was a vicious slip out. Uh, yeah. That that caused a bogey there. Yeah, I mean, I think he, we talk about it every week, but one of my favorite parts was the post-round interview. Like, he was choked up. You could tell how much mm-hmm. this meant to him. Um, like, a long time coming, climbing back to where he is now. And to finally, I don't know, when you're, you're playing well, and you have that, like, well, he hasn't won since this. He can't close, you know. We talked about the U.S. Open recently when he was, like, right there in the final day to start the final day. It, it means so much. It, like, it just warms the heart to see how much it means for him and his team, right? Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it, it's a guy that you really do feel like he deserves it. it you know, yeah. he has oh, yeah. had those results where he's right there. He's he's played well in big tournaments, and he's just come up against guys that have played better. But um, it's nice to see him get his, get kind of get the monkey off his back there a little bit. And it's nice yeah. to get it done early in the year, too. Um, who knows what, what this could kind of open up for his psyche and, and you know, his game going forward. Yeah. Um, now, I think one of the one one of the things that came up on the broadcast, at least quite a bit uh, in the last you know half hour or so, was Joaquin Neiman, and after he had finished his round uh, and just sitting around with, with Jill, I don't know if his wife or girlfriend and and Sergio and Sergio's partner, <laughs> um, and they were he was just having a good time, eating some food, and uh, the the caddy, you know, Bones, and uh, I forget the other caddy they have on there now. Someone right. would, I believe. Um, but both of them were saying that, like, man, if I was this guy's caddy, I'd have him <laughs> yeah. over there on the practice range. <laughs> well, first, him and Sergio was, were wearing the exact same outfit today. That was yeah, loved that. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of look like a mini Ryder Cup team out there. Yeah, um, I, you know, I think I think that might get over scrutinized uh, in the post totally kind agree. of post tournament talk. Uh, I, I really doubt it affected anything at all. I mean, you could say his approach shot on the first play out of fall, but who knows? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I think it totally depends on the type of person. I think there's some people that they're going to be better off if they're chatting with their friends and and whatnot. Yeah. There's going to be some people who they're going to be better off if they're on the range getting reps in and thinking about nothing but their swing. And I think it probably depends a little bit on whether you're a field player or more of a mechanical player. And he's not exactly the type that strikes me as a, a super mechanical type. So um, yeah, it I, seems I like probably depends a little bit on whether you have a, you know, 45 year old body or a 22 year old body as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's too worried about staying loose. Yeah, I think he was staying warm. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the one thing so you know about that second shot because you, you had mentioned whether it potentially would have affected his second shot into the green there on 18 in the playoff um i was thinking about that i th- i think so if you remember back to neiman second in um 
on his 72nd hole he put it out to the right there which a lot of people had done and then bounced up onto the green and rolled right near the pin and it looked like it almost could have but it landed softly and and didn't get up that bounce and then harris's shot in the playoff did the same thing where it landed softly so it to me it looked like he decided that okay no i'm gonna try to go at this and then he didn't hit the obviously he didn't have the contact he wanted Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. i think he because because they also mentioned that Right after Harris's shot, Neiman sort of took a moment with his caddy and like almost reevaluated. And I think that might have been what was happening. Was essentially their plan was to same that play that same shot, bouncing off the green, you know, bouncing yeah, from yeah, off yeah, the green yeah. onto the green, and then decided to go at it instead and and didn't quite catch it. Like you have to essentially hit the perfect shot there, and and he just didn't quite catch it. Yeah, that eighteenth hole is always good for some drama and it didn't disappoint this time i don't think you know it it is very easy to it to have a two-shot swing there either way with with these guys kind of jockeying at the end there jt neiman and and english were the only ones at the end that had a chance but um it it's fun how it kind of keeps everybody in it till the last it's a great course i think it's a it's a beautiful course it looks like a great course tons of angles Tons of it, tons of angles, and also I'd, like I like those ones where you can be a little bit off with your yardage, and you can be down a like it's so easy to get in trouble if you're going to be aggressive. There's a lot of risk reward, I think, in yeah. approach shots, which I think that makes for great uh, great spectator golf. It's good spectator golf. I I do think it needs the wind, otherwise those guys just eat it alive. Well, usually yeah. and, it does and get you the see wind. It, you saw a tiny bit of wind this week, but you really didn't see the wind defending the course like you do. Yeah, because that it's so wide that without the wind, it doesn't have a lot of defense with guys that are this good. I mean, I'm sure we would find it extremely challenging no matter how <laughs> wide it was. But um, these guys need—I mean, when the wind's some, up, right? That's yeah. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, who else there was there that you guys want to touch on? Uh, you know, obviously JT was there. He made a bit of a run today after um, not having a great third round. Um, I was a little surprised. I thought he was too far back to really contend. I texted you guys that this morning, but uh, he, with the way those guys at the top play, they kind of let some of these guys back into it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk about JT's weekend in a more complete kind of view. Later on, but well, I the think controversial there's... aspects of the weekend we'll, we're going to deal with later. But uh, in terms of his golf, I I, I think I think that be... weighed on him. Like he he, he said it yeah, weighed yeah, on I him agree. on Sunday. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I also mean... that think that might be a little bit. Um, JT is very media savvy and knows um, for sure how to how to communicate effectively, and and that's the right thing for him to say. Uh, yeah, you can't say oh, completely out of my mind. I like I I had my apology, and I I'm the best yeah. golfer in the so i was gonna go out and win it yeah but i mean he came out he was four under through his front nine he put himself in a position uh that i didn't think he would be in to have a shot at this tournament yeah um we were we were talking about it i believe after the friday round adam and i for our showdown video that night that was the round where jt really stumbled on the back nine it was um you know he was playing i think he was playing with harris and he ended up making a birdie on the last to to stay at even par on the back nine there, uh, but it really felt like that was the point where he could have he could have kind of run away with Harris from from the rest of the field and didn't do it. 
And you kind of look back at that, and that's probably where the tournament got away from him was was that yeah. even par thirty seven on the back nine on Friday. It was interesting because it seemed like, you know, obviously with Harris going wire to wire, there was there was sort of a always changing supporting cast where guys were kind of coming and going out of that mm-hmm. first page of the leaderboard. Um, I know after after friday i ha- i had staked a few guys jt dj reed i was i was thinking i was in a pretty decent spot where those guys could make a move on saturday they all went the wrong way and guys like morikawa palmer um went shooting up so it, it was interesting in that sense how the tournament sort of ebbed and flowed a little bit but harris yeah. was the constant and i think that's why it's good that he was you know crowned at the end and just real quick on that because i thought palmer um so his double bogey on eleven when he hit it into the yes. cabbage. Yeah, um, yeah. I I sort of thought I was like, okay, well, there's the collapse, and that'll be that. But he he really impressed me with you know continuing to dig, and he actually you know he put himself in a, a place where he could have had, had a shot there in the last couple holes. Um, a, a, he would have had to go birdie eagle, but eagle, but yeah. But still, like from where he was on eleven, there, I didn't think that was a possibility. I was going to say yeah. that one other guy that seemed to be at the top of the leaderboard throughout was Palmer. It felt like mm-hmm. my sleeper pick, a little bit of pat on the back there, but just want to add that one. In. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his Saturday post round interview. Well, there's a couple things with Saturday, but his post round interview, he, they said, um, like your putting has improved so much. He's like, yeah, I have a line on my ball that I now line up. And I just hit it. I'm like, how has it taken you this long to get a line on your ball? So it's funny because I was watching, I don't know if you ever see the TaylorMade YouTube videos, right. um, but they, they put out great videos because they have such an awesome stable of pros where they get, they'll get yeah. like four or five guys out at their practice facility and they'll just be talking about golf and like different things they do. And there was one where they were talking about lines and like half the guys were saying they don't use lines because they... They don't like it. And then like, like DJ was one of the ones who was saying he doesn't use lines. And then like, this was obviously filmed, you know, about a year or or more ago, because now like he's super fastidious about using his lines. But I think it's almost like a pride thing in some ways that sure. yeah, these I guys, they're that. like, oh no, I'm a field putter. I, I like, I don't need, I don't want a line at all. <laughs> oh, this kind of helps. Let me, let me do that. <laughs> I can uh, but the other thing about bit. Palmer in that uh, Saturday round yeah. was he had the potentially improving his lie uh, ruling, um, which I always think that's a bunch Qu- of bogus. I mean, quick thoughts. I think it's completely nothing at all. I think it's what do you guys think? Like, was there anything to it? Yeah, well, I think that if it was happening to me, I'd be improving it as much as I could. As <laughs> I got to hit the so same I shot again. It's... Come on. I think it's silly that like the determining factor is that whether or not he intended to improve his lie. Like to me, it should be like if he if he kicks the divot out of the way and then his ball rolls where the divot was, then it doesn't matter what his intent was. And if he kicks the divot out of the way and the ball's not near there, then it's like to me that's how the penalty should be determined. But golf still seems to want to well judge judge everyone's intentions. But that's a new that's a new shift. It it the intent thing is a new thing. It It's within the last few years. Like the whole um, Zach Johnson at the Masters, Doinkin went off the toe of his club and <laughs> off the D marker. Back in the day, that would have just, he would have had to hit his But that was intending to strike shot. the ball. No, well, no, he, he had no intent. It was a practice swing. 
But that's so, what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. That, but back in the day, the, they would have said, okay, <laughs> you're lying one there. Now you can't tee it up. <laughs> like, no, I think luck. that should be the case. I think you can so, learn how to take practice swings without uh, hitting hey, your ball. I don't disagree, but there was a shift towards intent. And I, I don't know all the details about it, but there was a shift a few years back that it's now an intent-based thing. So I mean, if we could use it in our legal system, I guess I guess we can use it in our golf rules. But it just still seems very silly to me that, uh, that the determining factor on whether or not something's a penalty is whether he was kicking the divot out of front so like what if he's frustrated because his ball's gonna roll into this up against yeah. this divot and he kicks it out of frustration that his ball's gonna roll is that improving his lie or is that out of frustration you know yeah Anyways. i didn't intend to miss that putt so i'll just take it back and <laughs> try it again <laughs> i didn't intend to shank it let me just hurry up um, here guys so who else should we talk about here xander ended up getting a t5 kind of was just hanging around I mean, the classic, no cut, um, limited field, Xander, stellar performance, right, Craig? Like, he's your no cut guy. Absolutely. Um, You you can take it to the bank pretty much. And at this course, too. Loves uh, the course. Yeah. Loves the course. I think, I I really think that this, you know, JT might be a bit the anomaly and maybe Palmer, too. I think he plays maybe a left to right. But I think this course sets up so well for people that hit the ball right to left. Um, Yeah. 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 And so it just seems like Xander, this is a perfect course for him. Yeah, that was that was some of my thinking behind Patrick Reed and the one and done this week for sure. Mm-hmm. He loves to sling it in there from from right to left. You didn't know he'd yeah. come down with shin splints and blisters though. We'll get to that in a little. We'll bit. We'll get to that too. Yeah, but but sorry. So Xander, sorry, Xander, Bryson, and Rom to me all kind of lumped together. They all, you know, they're fifth and and tied for seventh, but they all kind of were never really in contention and I just agree. had yeah. had yeah. good rounds today to to improve their finishing position the classic you know superstar that, backdoor into the yeah yeah money position. that sort of speaks to i was just gonna say that speaks to the the kind of golfers they are where this is it was sort of ho-hum for them but they're good enough that it was yeah. their ho-hum yeah. was top 10 yeah. worthy um yeah kind of kind of interesting and we'll get to more about uh equipment kind of stuff but rom when his first tournament back does you know first tournament with callaway that's yeah. mm-hmm. a, a top 10 there and he's obviously still going to be adjusting to those clubs for a little bit i would imagine so yeah um, you know he's got to be happy with that result i would think uh more we mentioned briefly uh i was a little disappointed with his sunday i i thought he was going to be a, a player yeah i did too i was he looked really too. solid on saturday I, I was trying to decide if I wanted to stake anybody going into the final round, uh, and he, him and and English were kind of, I think they were even money or not even money, but uh, the the tied for the lowest odds mm-hmm. um, or the shortest odds. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised to see him fall back. Interestingly, it wasn't his putter though, which is kind of his uh, uh, so called Achilles' heel. It was his yeah. TD Green game. Yeah, And you know what, thinking back on his round, there was a few times that it almost seemed like it was mistakes of aggression. Um, Like there was that par three. um, 11th? I might be thinking of the 8th. The 11th, he saved his par, He did save par on 11, I think, yeah. Was that the one where he went over the back, though? Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, okay. That was the one I was thinking about where, like... It looks like that's the aggressive play that he's he's making, which I like that in the position he was in. But uh, yeah, especially yeah, at that point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we know how accurate his he is with his yardages, and I, I think that's one of these ones where you, you do see when you have 
elevation and wind and all of these factors coming into play that you can you can know your number and still like accounting properly for these things is is a challenge unto itself you know another guy we kind of left out of there was sung jay was a a t5 and he kind of another guy that i don't think ever really was a threat to win win the thing but uh he managed to work himself in there have a nice finish daniel berger fell off too very impressed by sung jay and kind of similar to morikawa daniel berger uh fell off windier flat uh shot i kind of i i loved him in showdown in round four but uh yeah me too didn't work out yeah yeah. Um, um and him uh, and Morikawa, I think they played together both Saturday and Sunday. And on Saturday both of them seemed to be lighting it up and then Sunday not so much. Yeah. Tends to balance out sometimes, doesn't it? <laughs> um other notable guys, Dustin Johnson, he kinda roller coastered a little. He he definitely showed some flashes there and went on some runs that thought yeah. he, he might be getting himself right back in this thing and and then uh, a few loose shots kinda and led to some double bogeys and and ended that but well there was, was a exciting. lost ball there was yeah. a lost ball double bogey on 12 and then he bogeyed the next one as well but man he was he looked like he might be just absolutely charging from nowhere to, to make a play yeah. for this tournament um looks a little bit just like dustin johnson with you know two months off a, a master's win and maybe hasn't been spending as much time practicing golf but can still go out there and contend yeah he's just so good yeah <laughs> um so one of the guys I wanted to mention too is Webb Simpson. Ended up T seventeen, but uh, he was my fade this week. And through through twelve holes on Friday, he was minus eight on the round and had got himself to minus twelve for the tournament. And wow. I was sweating. <laughs> I thought there might be no end to how many birdies this guy was going to make. <laughs> um, but ended up making a double bogey, I think, on on twelve or thirteen, and um, that kind of unfortunately that kind of drops him out. He never really made much noise after that for uh, for the rest of the tournament. But uh, yeah, he he was playing pretty lights out there for a round and a half, anyways. <laughs> after barely making it over in time to play. Yeah, um, he he had a, had tested positive for COVID, and I think had just gotten negative tests or something. Yeah, he had just cleared, and then had spent a really long travel day, I think, um, to make it out there. And I don't even think he got a practice round, and I think he got there the day before and and just played. So um, now he is someone. As we start to dive into next week, um, I believe he's playing next week. And as I've started to look at the course, he has a pretty good history there. So he is someone to keep in mind uh, as we start to look at next week. Interesting. Adam, do you want to move on to your three stars? or? Yeah, let's do three stars. Uh, my third star of the week is Adam Svensson. Who? Yeah, he wasn't in the Tournament of Champions. <laughs> this is more the wide world. It's kind of crossover into the wide world of golf as well. But he won the inaugural Big Money Classic. Um... 27-year-old from Surrey, BC. Uh, I see a local, couple of local reactions boy there. For, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 for the podcast listeners there, there's some uh, surprise looks yeah. there. He's hopped around tours a little bit. Uh, 2015 McKenzie Tour, 2016 Corn Ferry. I think he had his card in 2019 for the PGA. He lost it. Um, but this Big Money Classic was the first time event, kind of like a mini tour type thing, $3,000 entry, $100,000 to first. So he took nice. home a hundred thousand dollar paycheck. Um, 
<laughs> apparently, again, I've I've talked about them before, but the Twitter handle Monday Qualifier Info. Yeah, I was gonna I, say I, I hadn't even heard about this event until Monday Q Info, and he's uh, there. He's giving all the updates. But apparently, uh, Adam on the on the back nine or the his final round there changed his putter grip about three times. <laughs> so oh, really, I love it. I love it. Not comfortable at all. He finally. Craig, what's that new one you're doing? The reverse hand, high low. Uh, yeah, just um, cross high low opposite hand. Finally went opposite used, hand. It used to be called cross handed, I feel like, but I, I don't know what it's called these days. So yeah, he he changed up, got a few birdies, and then took home the one hundred thousand dollar payday. Well, right I, it's, I I remember a few months ago I was listening to someone. It might have actually been Ricky, but um, someone was saying that like when they're practicing and they're they're not putting very well, they'll just like change it up, change up their putting grip. Just so that then they can change it back and feel like they're they're back to being normal and and almost resetting a little bit, um, which uh, I, yeah. I think that's just a cool. You know, we have Joel Damon at the Mayakoba do the Happy Gilmore a few. Yeah, he was doing the, the dropping his his low hand down, <laughs> hockey step grip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he, yeah, he made a few made a few birdie putts that did. way too. I think he did. Yeah. Uh, so that's the third star. Uh, just, I mean, watching him going forward, I think he's Corn Fairy like alternate almost. So he's got uh, some work to do to, I mean, 2020 is just, I feel like hammered the Corn Fairy and mini tour guys. So yeah, yeah. nice to well, see if they can keep $100,000 is nice to kind of keep him going for a little yeah. while, hopefully. Keep the dream alive. It'll sure. buy a exactly. lot of float for, you know, those yeah. guys that the, the ability to continue playing golf can be very much hinging on whether they can find money to to get into tournaments yeah. and travel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Second star of the weekend, Joaquin Neiman, uh super impressive 9 under Sunday. Uh, just one thing here. He's only 22. Like we have to remember how young he is. He's still 22. He's so, younger than Colin Morikawa. He's younger than Victor Hovland. He's younger than Matt uh maybe not Wolf. It just it, it, super talented kid like it's all gonna yeah. come together it's just gonna yeah. be fun to watch and i'm yeah. a huge fan yeah it, it's it, it's fun to watch him when it it does come together because he's he's a little bit streaky and i it's fun to see him when he's on a heater because he can, absolutely he can take it deep yeah absolutely. so for a little while until until harris came out and won this i actually had in my notes it, it seems like Neiman's the only one who's trying to win this you know like just because it <laughs> yeah. seems like you know how sometimes it seems like it seemed like Palmer and, and Harris were like just hitting to the middle of greens and, and that kind of thing. And I, it just seemed like Neiman was just going at everything. He was like, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to go at this pin and try to hit it really close and then make that putt. Yeah. Yeah. And he could have been lower. He could have been a few, mm-hmm. like he, that could he have could been have. 11 under or so. I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure he parred 18 on, as his final hole, didn't he? He parred he had a- both. 15 and 18 yeah the two par so fives on like the, back. the two scoring yeah, holes right. on the back yeah that's right and and both of those he was in great shape off the tee yeah yeah that's wild, that he is missed, wild. He, i think he missed five footers or five or six footers for birdie on each of those so he definitely you know he was right there he, he could have gone deeper and he could have taken mm-hmm. it but um still a super impressive yeah. round nonetheless yeah. And first star of the weekend, uh, it goes without saying, Harris English. Uh, like, like at the top, I said, he's won twice in 2013. His drop-off was pretty significant. He dropped, 
I think as low as 369th in the world in 2019 after the Corn Ferry Tour final. Um, I think he has kept his PGA card throughout his entire career, but he hopped down to possibly improve and get some standing. Um, but yeah, well, he I also, just... it might've been a situation where he was lower priority. So he was, he might've still had his card, but he wasn't able to get into the tournaments those weeks because he was not priority and had to go down and play in corn Ferry. Absolutely. So huge win for his career. I think kind of like the big next step for him. And I think I also heard at the end is possibly pushing him into the top 20 in the world. So yeah, a kind of a great cap. I'm going to call it the oh. cap off to his 2020 year. Cause I feel like it has yeah, almost, season. almost like yeah. the cherry on top of his comeback story, you know, yeah. like until he got that win, it was going to be like, Oh yeah, he's playing really good golf, but like, is he really, you well, know, let's it, wait, let's wait till we say cherry on top. All right. There, there are a few other cherries out there that I was, hey, listen, yeah, okay. I was watching, I was watching chasing 82 and I was waiting for the coverage to start today on the golf channel. And, you know, Tiger's win at the tour championship was like, you know, the cherry on top until he won the masters next. So, you know, did you, did you not get the NBC coverage before? No, I wasn't getting it just because of my. Or were you just choosing to watch the Tiger? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a choice. <laughs> it maybe was a bit of both. It was a bit of both. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, if we're all set, let's let's move on to our uh, picks and recap some of our our stakes that we made leading into this tournament. Let's so do it. Going in, we pick for winner. Craig, I guess you won out of us. You you picked Xander, who had the highest finish, finished T5. Kevin, what's it, it going to take for you to not pick DJ just as your winner kind of weekend? <laughs> well, you know what? You know who I had been picking all the time was was Justin Thomas. And so I thought I needed to change it up, so I picked, picked DJ. Okay. Um, Risky there. Yeah, I also a, feel like I might have quite a few Xanders in a row. I, I, it just there's something about Xander. I feel like every week I'm like, yeah, I could see him winning this. Well, that's the way I feel about DJ and Justin Thomas. I mean, how can I not? Really? Um, anyway, it wasn't DJ's week. Uh, Adam, you picked Patrick Reed. Um, he was looking pretty good there for a little while, but ended up finishing T21. Um, I will, however, give you credit because your sleeper pick there, Ryan oh, Palmer. Mm-hmm was looking really good for a while at 100 to 1 he ended up finishing t4 um which i'm pretty sure you got him on the each way got him on the each way i know you guys i i heard a lot about ortiz the last few months about not betting my sleeper so i had to bet my sleeper 100 to 1 but (laughs) i hedged it a little bit with an each way and hey that each way hit so I think I got a return 25 to 1 or 30 to 1 or whatever i think you might also win the fade here i didn't realize you had faded him that's right. Yeah, so Adam faded Victor Hovland, who uh, finished T31. And um, with an ugly day today, like, he was, yeah, he I say, plus three. We're, we're not really sure how we're grading the fade yet, though. Isn't the fade the highest not to win kind of thing? Or Yeah, so I think <laughs> so maybe I win the fade. Maybe you win the fade, or, or is it... <laughs> You know, the guy who finishes so I, I the lowest. I faded wrong, and my, my rationale was essentially, I'm looking for the highest guy on the thing that I don't think is going to win. Um, maybe it was a little bit uh, a little bit due to the equipment change, but you look at his course history, and I want to say he had a 10th and an 8th, and you compared it to the other guys he was up around for odds, and it's like, oh, JT, like multiple winner, DJ, multiple yeah. winner. Like, it's just like 
Xander one and playoff loss, you know, like all these other guys. Yeah. It's not a huge it's not a huge field. So like a tenth and an eighth in previous years wasn't exactly like he loves this course. Um, yeah. And and like you say, you got some of these guys that just have, you know, in our winners uh picks there Patrick Reed, Xander, Dustin Johnson all have a great course history there. So it's it's hard with a guy like Rom when you're not really getting you have pretty short odds on him anyways. It's hard to back him. At, at those odds so i mean good fade i'll give you the win for the fade this week i don't know if adam would agree who? I'm, craig? I'm giving craig the i'll craig take the win. it I, I humbly accept i didn't even have, <laughs> i didn't even have to think i had to give a counterpoint there but <laughs> unfortunately I, our top canadian I'll, I, I'll just leave our, our top canadian picks of mackenzie hughes were kind of all all, all losers <laughs> there's only two to choose from nick taylor and mackenzie hughes and we all went hughes and um, unfortunately, I believe you finished tied for forty first. Hey, at least so. at least we all picked someone who was in the tournament because we've had history of not always doing that. So, <laughs> actually, I don't know if you guys saw this, but on Twitter, so same Twitter account, Monday Q Info said Mackenzie Hughes shot under par every round and finishes dead effing last, and Mackenzie <laughs> Hughes responded, said I actually tied for last. <laughs> <laughs> I like the attitude of Mackenzie Hughes going into the Sony Open. Yeah, you gotta like it. Um, or maybe not so much. <laughs> Give me time for last. But... Attitude versus play, I don't know. Yeah. So so one and done. Do you guys feel like you're happy with your Patrick Reed? No, I don't. And I, I don't really want to talk about it because I feel like you use him for the Masters, right? I feel the same way. Like my Masters pick of him, I felt like I was golden at one point. And then he just like didn't get it done. And you're like, man, I knew he, I... He still did decent at the Masters for you for kind of the level of pick. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm just happy I didn't waste next week's defending champion. Uh, <laughs> when it's so so clear he's got a course history there. No, I, I'm obviously disappointed with Patrick Reed uh, in my one and done. But, um, you know, I, it's... I, I got a quick question for you guys. So we're kind of, what, one quarter through the season of our one and done? We're doing the PGA season? Have mm-hmm. you guys penciled in your other spots, like major tournaments or all tournaments? Or I have rough ideas, but I'm also not totally like I'm going to I have rough ideas of like guys that I'm saving for like some tournaments. But I'm also going to play what people like their form. So, like, yeah, if, of, course, of course, if the top guys I have left going into a major, one of them is on really good form. It may not be the one that I've potentially pencil them in for i'm just gonna take i'm just gonna use them there you know yeah kev no (laughs) (laughs) it's not a good strategy but i haven't taken the time there's guys i obviously have in the back of my mind that i'm saving for majors and and the players and the big the big purse tournaments but um no on a week-by-week basis i got my players penciled in um I did make a list today, kind of crossing off the the names that I do have, so I can kind of wrap my mind. Yeah, I, I want to kind of go a little bit deeper into the courses and the events because I just kind of like I've like I've got a stock of like good guys left, and I've got a stock of big purses left, and it'd be <laughs> nice to like oh actually you know who has great players history is this person, but then they're um, coming in miscut miscut miscut. Yeah, You're like oh, yeah, yeah. oh no. I'm yeah. kind of realizing too that maybe the only reason I'm I'm leading in this thing is because I've already used my DJ pick, whereas you guys <laughs> both still have it in the bag. That's probably the difference right now. Um, 
But, Are you still sitting on ROM though, or did you use? I him? am sitting on ROM because you guys both played yeah, him. We used at him at the US, US Open, Open. US Open yeah. and I used DJ. Um, I will say though, this was a bit of a tricky one because it was such a small field and with so many elite players in it mm-hmm. that you kind you had to use up somebody that was pretty good, and you didn't want to waste the start. Which I mean, we all yeah. kind of it could be argued we all did, but um, you know you don't want to play one of your your marquee guys necessarily either so uh yeah it was a bit of a tricky one but and yeah i mean at the end of the day kind of no blood we there's what a, a no difference it's a wash. yeah it's a six thousand dollar <laughs> spread it's a wash. no blood no blood no blood um so we're gonna start a new segment here good bets bad bets red gret red bets green bets it's just like when i'm reading the dr seuss books i, I was gonna say kevin right. as a young father i feel like you're gonna nail that intro and you just Stumbled right over it's the Okay, let's try again. Before, all right? Good, Good bets, bets, bad bets, bets red, red bets, bets, green bets. bets. Hey! <laughs> Got it. Adam, why don't, you, why don't you start us off? I think you had the best best bet of the week there. You know what? I had a pretty good one. So on DraftKings this week, I had a dollar showdown in the dollar entry showdown. I used all four of the picks from our showdown video that Craig and I did for Friday's show. Yeah. For round two. Uh, filled it in with a couple other studs. I think Burger and someone I'm forgetting. But turned that dollar into a third place $150 win, baby. Nice. 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 And that was that was um, Scotty Scheffler and DJ, I think, were my two. Because DJ had an ugly first round. And so I felt yep. like everyone was going to be sleeping on him. Oh, you yeah, DJ, DJ certainly helped. I think the other one, so, you know, I ended up barely scraping by almost to to wash on my week-long picks. But uh, if you look back at uh, the YouTube picks we had on, you know, both our pick show and our sleeper show, we had Harris English was was one of your top picks. Yeah. Neiman was one of my top picks. Palmer was your sleeper. Yeah. Xander was my other top pick, so... Um, yeah, you and we're not picking to... eight guys here. We're picking two each this tournament, so that's from a limited field to get that uh, one, two, four, and T fifth. Yeah, pretty Unfor- good. Unfortunately, pretty I didn't good. combine them all with the best ones for for DraftKings lineups, <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. Um, I wasn't so uh, successful on my outrights this week. I had uh, I'd back. This is the bad bets, red bets part of the section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd back DJ, JT, and Patrick Reed. Um, you know, so Patrick get, Reed. I'd, did, I'd, I'm I'd sorry, put was my that money going in or was that live odds? Sorry, so this is this is beginning of the tournament. So yeah. I will say, I had a, you know, the platform I'm using, uh, Bet365, they do give you some pretty nice cash out options at different points. So... Or, or nice. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure they're very statistically. They're fair. very cautiously trying to give you as little money as they can. So I, I kind of had a strategy going into today that if JT got off to a hot start, I was going to cash it out and at least at least get my money back. But but then he started to play a little better, and I thought I'd let it ride for a while. And you know, end of the day, didn't cash anything out, <laughs> lost it all. But get back up on that horse next week, and we'll see what happens. So yeah. I'm not going to worry about it. I liked where I liked where 
you know, my head was at going in. I felt like I had a good handle on it. My guys just didn't make their putts, you know? It could have been my, a different My story. favorite was when I saw the text from you saying, should I cash this out from on JT? And then I like, <laughs> as I as I read this, I see him lip out his par putt to make a bogey <laughs> on the second last hole. I'm like, probably can't get that cash out anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it disappeared pretty quickly after that. <laughs> that was for a loss, though, you know? Anyways, I, I don't yeah. need to... I don't need to relive that terrible moment. <laughs> that heartbreak. Yeah, that heartbreak. Um, why don't we move into our stock up, stock down, guys? Craig, start us off. Okay, uh, moving up. Uh, this is a pretty pretty easy call for me, I think. Ryan Palmer. Um, you know, I've been on, on and off of him on DFS. I think he's a very streaky guy. Yeah, I had mentioned, uh, you know, in our, when we first recapped the tournament, I was so impressed. First off, what he did all week long, but when he made that double uh, on, I think it's 12, 11 or 12 there, uh, 11, the 11th hole, the par three there. Yeah. I, I just had decided he was done. Uh, you know, he, there's no real shot he has in this tournament and he just got it out the rest of the way and really did well to, to end up with a fourth place finish there, which, you know, when you're, when you're looking for guys in DFS or whatever, you know, maybe in each way, you've got an each way on. Yeah, someone yeah, and, baby. <laughs> um, you, you want someone who, you know, they're going to make a double bogey, but they're going to go out there and they're going to make some birdies afterwards to, to keep moving up the leaderboard if they can. Well, it's kind of oh, funny because yeah. after a, 11 you know in the final group they start running out of players to show so i'm like it's gonna be at the point where this don't show palmer like they'd rather show it's <laughs> like shot for a fifth time but then he started making birdies and i'm like all right he's playing himself back into it we got there's a chance for a fifth place or better yeah yeah um stock down i gotta go hideki hideki matsuyama my boy uh it hurts uh his so the person who uh, Mackenzie Hughes was lucky to tie with uh, was <laughs> Hideki Matsuyama, who he would have been somewhere around the top 10 uh, odds going in. Uh, I know because I paid for him in a few DFSs, and he unfortunately was one of those reasons that all my other good picks were not so, did not end up with such good lineups. Um, his putting was atrocious the first yeah. three rounds. Uh, he lost, I want to say he probably lost over seven strokes through yeah. the first three rounds putting. Um, you know, I don't worry about Hideki in the long term. I think he needs to figure out the putting thing. I think he, he is playing next week, I'm pretty sure. So hopefully we, we saw a good Sunday from him. He was minus, I, I want to say minus four or five today. Um, so hopefully he can turn it around. But yeah, you really got to think that's a stock down day. I think the, also the big thing, first term in 2021, 2021 is a big year for Hideki. And I think the, the big reason is the Olympics in Japan. Um, right. There is going to be a huge amount of pressure all the way leading up and absolutely at the Olympics. Yeah. So I'm cheering for him. I want him to get either that major or Olympic medal. I don't like whatever it is. He's yeah, too talented. A, a gold this year would be pretty nice, uh, even without yeah. a major on his resume. I think he could Japan win would a gold. like, yeah, oh, no yeah, major, would. he'd be a hero forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the, the, you know, Canada hockey gold medal when it's in Vancouver or something like that. Yeah. It, it doesn't really matter anything else that happens during those Olympics. It's like, if we can Absolutely. get this, then we'll be happy. We're good. Yeah. 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 All right, Adam, who you got? Stock up, Sung J M. 
I feel like I feel like Sanjay is kind of like I'm the coach and he's like the coach's son or something. Like I'm really hard on him, but I also like had <laughs> to give him like a job well done when he does do a good job. And I've he's been in a few of the stock downs for me over the history of our podcast this past year, but he's stock up for me this time. Uh, PJ Tour stopped. He flew over to Dubai for the European Tour finale. Uh, he finished 14th there. Uh, came in here, finished fifth. His uh, best result of all the players uh, at this course for the first time. So, of all the, I think there's probably seven or eight of them. Uh, he was by far and away the best of the of that field, and he led the field in strokes gained degree at two point three eight average mm-hmm. across four days. So, um, really on top of his game, and kind of with a hot putter, potentially could have had a different result. And he's another guy too. We were talking about it with Neiman uh, about how young he is, but. He's another guy too that I think we we fail to remember how young he is. Yeah. Maybe because he's played enough golf, or most people have played by the time they're thirty, just because he <laughs> likes to play fifty tournaments a year. Um, Do you think he can go for like a Cal Ripken type like unbreakable <laughs> tournament? Like because there's fifty or something Iron this year, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll do see. It Sungjae. I don't know what the current record is, but that's that be interesting. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look you, that one. You up. can make a run. Yeah. My stock down. Tony Finau. My boy. Kevin, your boy. Uh, it kind of seemed like this weird narrative that a non-champion could have won the tournament of champions. You know, Harris English pulled that off, and it's a really cool storyline. A lot of people like Tony Finau coming in. You know. He what better has... non-champion, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he has that uh, name tag that goes along. Like, he needs to win more. Uh, throughout the tournament, negative strokes gained putting, no- negative strokes gained around the green, and no negative strokes gained approach. Um, just... I'm just trying to think here. I don't know if I saw a single second of Tony Finau on the broadcast I, I over the course of I, the four I days. I didn't. No, I, I'm going purely from stats here. I mean, from yeah. No, I know, but like, I like that shows how his tournament. Like, I don't. There was no highlight that they're like, oh, and here is Finau making an eagle here, or no. Well, he started off with a with a 74, so he was pretty much out of it after day one. Um, so, and yeah, then nothing I, highlight worthy to to no. show outside but, of the normal. It, it is a little bit surprising, though. I, you know, I don't know that he's been in the best form as of late. But I thought this course, you know, it does favor guys that can hit it far, yeah. um, and he typically has a very good approach game. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I thought, I thought, you know, I thought it, it, it might set up suit well him. For him. Yeah. yeah, I really did. So I was, I was surprised to see him not, not play very well here. So sure. he's, from what I can tell, he's not in the field at the Sony Open this week. So he's going back probably to the States. Um, I also kind of just feel like he needs to pick up one of these other wins, you know, when all the heavyweights aren't there. Just kind of get that feeling of winning. Um, it might, like, then boost him into a major championship win or something like that. Yeah. Once he gets that first one, watch this, out. There was a lot <laughs> of the that second made... one, I should say, yeah. the second one. There's a lot of the major guys here, though, this week. So I don't know if this yeah. is... Oh, you mean next week? Next week. That's no, it. Yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, my stock up for this week is Joachim Neiman. Uh, 
he just played better and better every day. Yeah, I was going to say, thing. like, it kind of is just right there. I mean, you don't need to say a lot about it. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he, he goes 69, 67, 67, 64, and arguably the hardest conditions of the week were, were oh, for on sure. Sunday when yeah. he shot a 64. Um, he, like I said, he's a guy who can be pretty streaky, I think, but right now he looks to be playing very well. And he's a guy you got to consider moving forward in some of these tournaments. If he can keep this form, um, you know, he could, he could grab a couple of wins real quick. Um, so he's somebody I'm going to be looking at, at backing um, as an outright moving forward for sure. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of these guys that, you know, when you see younger players starting to play well, sometimes you're like, oh yeah, like he's good. He's solid everywhere. And then there's other guys you're like, like he seems like he's gonna win tournaments, and and yeah. you definitely get that from him. Like it's not like it's always he's it's always gonna be pretty with him. He's gonna have rounds where he blows up and it doesn't work. But like it, just the way he approaches it, it seems like he's going to get wins. And, I was gonna say there's like, a I, difference. Yeah, there, sorry, Adam. There there is a difference between guys that like they they finish high and guys that you really think that guy can win. He mm-hmm. he can win. He's not afraid to go get it and win. Like, I think when he did win, he won by about six, didn't he? I don't remember. Is it green, Greenbrier? Yeah. I I think he won by five or six strokes. Like he, he just destroyed the field and he was obviously on that week. So, um, yeah. 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 yeah, Six strokes there. I was just gonna say, I find him to be a really hard guy to predict. I I don't know when he is going to, I agree. So, I mean, in D for DFS purposes, I usually am, like tentative or all in. And then if he plays well Thursday, I like hammer that showdown. I'm like, all right, Neiman, let's ride this all the way to Sunday, baby. Yeah. I definitely like him typically more in showdown than in yeah. week long, but uh, he, his ownership's always high too in, in week long, which, so you can decide you want to play the contrarian and not have him. But then there's times where he plays well and you're like, well, yeah, you need to, you need to be on it. If you, if you want a piece of that. Yeah. 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 Um, so my stock down this week is my boy Mackenzie Hughes, <laughs> but I want to preface this by saying it's this is really I just want him to have some bulletin board material. I'm trying to motivate him. Oh, um, okay. It was a, it was a bad week this week, but you know I think by me putting him as my stock down, it's, it's gonna you know make him really just want to prove me wrong and get out there and and turn it around next start. So um, Mackenzie wasn't wasn't your best tie for last can't can't be a, a good sign really but as adam says maybe your attitude's in the right place and you're gonna you're gonna find your groove here pretty quick I, i'm picturing so. like a rocky montage like he's like putt he's on the putting he's like kevin from grand sand golf stock down like, <laughs> right through his head and he's like motivated i hope so that's what i'm trying to do for you right now mckenzie i i I want you to turn it around. This wasn't what we were looking for, but uh, you know, that's okay. It's not, it's not the end of the world either. So I, um, I had him as a sleeper going in this week. So I, I feel you. Um, yeah. I, I also, I think he is just, and maybe, maybe I overread into this, but I think that if it had gotten windy, I would like him more than playing in perfect conditions here, just because yeah. I, I think he's a better grinder on, in harder conditions, harder courses than he is. And I mean, it's tough because he also has had good results in, in birdie fest type of tournaments, but um, I think he's at his best when the play gets hard. I think so too. I totally agree with that assessment. So keep your chin up, Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, Craig, it's time for, it's that time of the podcast. You get up on that soapbox and you give us your good, your bad, and your ugly. Okay. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to take things out of the, the realm maybe of, of the golf tournament here. We're going to maybe get a little bit more controversial than we do sometimes, but good, the bad, and the ugly this week. Uh, the good, just before we started recording here, uh, PGA of America uh, just tweeted that the Trump Bedminster will not be hosting the 22 PGA Championship. Uh, so, uh, Iman, Iman Lynch of, of Golf Week had written a really good article about how, how the golf world uh, needs to, you know, not be a, a safe refuge for Trump once this whole I, presidency... I read that one. It was a good read. Yeah. Once this whole presidency debacle is over, but... Uh, in there, he's like he's got a great quote, uh, and this is before they obviously they announced it. But the odds the 22 PGA Championship will happen as scheduled in New Jersey are about as good as the chances of you or I winning it. Now I don't know how he knows my game so well, but uh, <laughs> he, he definitely begged it because yeah, the next day uh, PGA of America just announced that they have decided not to host it there. What do you think? If you're like you're like Justin Thomas reading that, you're like. <laughs> You don't even know who's reading it, sucker. Like, yeah. Well, that's I, yeah. Rory's reading that. He's like, well, I got a pretty good shot, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so we'll see. We'll it's see it's what... interesting that it's it's as close as it is, you know, like it's next year's, which uh, oh, yeah. I don't I know how far in advance. Year. I think they typically have these things lined up for close to five years. Or well, more. so it was 2014 when it was awarded. Um, yeah. And the. Uh, so some of the articles I was reading was saying essentially they've been this decision has been made or close to being made for a while but uh, because of the repercussions of announcing this decision it has not been something you know like I think they essentially have been waiting until post-presidency to do this Um, but now obviously is the time to be announcing it with everything that's going on in the US right so it'll be uh, interesting one, to see short notice what course uh, this ends up going to. The the one thing I noticed on um, on Twitter, the toxic place that Twitter can be sometimes, is a lot of the replies to that tweet were like, "You just lost a viewer," or like, "Well, I'm not going to tune in anymore." Like, and the same thing that was happening when Kaepernick was kneeling or people were kneeling, like. I really don't think the PGA is that concerned about you, <laughs> that single viewer, that much. Like, and I also think you actually will watch it. Or it's like that, like fifty-five-year-old per- woman who has no and never watched a moment of golf. Like <laughs> yeah. you've lost a fan. <laughs> yeah. uh, were you oh. watching really that closely? Um, yeah. Well, not that, that 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 I've been saying that, but if I was, I I could just imagine myself. Oh, oh, what. Oh, how's Tiger doing anyways? <laughs> oh, okay, well, maybe I'll just tune in for a few minutes here. <laughs> okay, so that's the good. Moving on to the bad. So, uh, And this one probably is a little bit controversial because these are complicated situations. But Gary Player and Annika Sorenstam uh, accepted the Presidential Medal of Freedom. It was the day after the riots. Yes. Uh, and the yeah. you know call it an attempted coup whatever you want to call it but yeah. it's the day after everything happened in the u.s capitol um it was done from what i understand it was done closed doors and was not publicized but um 
it still is really just a bad look uh, to be accepting a presidential medal of freedom um, from someone who's just potentially tried to lead a coup of, of the country. Um, I, I don't know if, if we need to get any further in depth. I also understand I, that those type of things, like, you know, does rejecting it really do anything? Does that, or, or well, you know, I, I mean, I have a couple of questions. You guys, you guys are the smart ones. So like, what is the presidential medal of, and as a, ignorant canadian i'll i'll preface it by saying that like what does the medal of freedom really mean for these two people you get to like take it around and it's like a medal that you are and no one can do anything you're free um it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it an honor interesting that they're both like non-americans for one yeah that yeah. i was gonna bring that up as well yeah um essentially it's just a, a, a civic honor from from what i understand i, I don't think there's anything f- beyond that that goes along with it um you definitely don't get I mean, the sir in front of your name no that's true you're not, you're not knighted you're not knighted <laughs> um now gary player actually i i just did a little bit of a deeper dive into him he it's not the first time he's dealt with controversy um and i i was totally unaware of this because you know we're a generation removed from that but uh i mean he's a south african he comes from a generation in south africa that you know, they they went through very controversial times. Um, you're just going, you're just going right into it. Yeah. But so apparently, like Australians, um, like hated Gary Player back in the eight, you know seventies, eighties, oh, okay. and they would like. There was one time uh, on a seventy second hole when he was putting. I, I want to say it was to tie for a tournament that someone said like, you know, you're not welcome here, you racist, or like something like that. I don't remember what the exact thing was, but. Uh, um, and, and you know, it's a, it's a tough situation to be in because he was essentially supported early on in his golf career by this system that, you know, it, it wasn't until much later that the total public opinion had shifted against the apartheid regime in South Africa, and and he actually you know came out against it in the eighties. It's just it's complicated. Yeah. It's a complicated world. Um, if you're of his generation, I would think in South Africa. Oh, absolutely. so last one uh you know we had you know maybe hinted at it earlier uh but justin the ugly justin thomas uh dropping a a homophobic slur after three putting on a green picked up on the mic picked up on you know uh, gets broadcast on on the main broadcast on on golf channel um it's a it's an ugly look uh it's one of those things that you know we've We've spoken about it, that it's the kind of thing that back when I was a young teenager, I would say stupid things like this. But you right. grow up very quickly and you realize that these are not harmless things you say and, and so on and so forth. And so right. it, it's a bit of a it's, it's not a bit of a, it's an absolute egg on the face moment for him as a 27 year old to be saying that. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's very he's very PR savvy. I think he's a very charismatic guy. I think he's well-intentioned. It doesn't seem like there's anything beyond that. Um, and, and I think he did a good job. I don't know if it was, uh, his, uh, decision and his insistence that he got on the broadcast on Saturday. Um, after, you know, mm-hmm. after he had finished playing, I, I don't know at that point until he had finished, I don't know if he even knew it was picked up on the mic, right. but regardless, right, right. Yeah. um, I think he has responded to it well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that we tar and feather people for mistakes. I think that it's more, 
if people are aware they've made mistakes and they actually genuinely grow from them, then I, th- I think that's a good thing. But yeah, it's it's an ugly moment and it's definitely an egg on your face moment for JT. Yeah, and, and as he mentioned, like there is hopefully a learning moment for him. And I, I think you guys would agree with this. Like we, there's mics everywhere and you expect these golfers to be mad, be frustrated, to, you know, drop swear words or whatever it is that get picked up on homic. It happens with all live sports. Um, but there are certain words that are that really do affect people and are derogatory to groups of people. And there are so many other words that you can well, use and to that's the thing, like, your frustration. I have no issue, and maybe this is because I don't have kids that I'm watching golf with, but I have no issue in a swear words. Like I, I usually yeah. find that kind of entertaining. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people need to learn how to swear without it being a you know a derogatory against other people. Yeah, there's a wealth of. <laughs> yeah. other humorous with it even say to, <laughs> that are probably what more better suited but listen listen to terrell hatton maybe i don't know he's probably got lots he could teach you yeah i think i think my favorite one that i ever heard i was golf with a guy he, he sliced an ob off his drive he says ah oh, sheep shit <laughs> there's something about his delivery i just i almost dropped to the ground i was laughing so hard <laughs> anyways i digress um well, anything more on that, guys? Or uh, a lot happened this week. No, yeah, I think Greg, maybe I, next I, I week we'll get into a abortion and some other <laughs> less controversial <Wow>. topics. <laughs> wow, yeah. Greg, I think okay. your, your soapbox is pretty well said there. Um, yeah, it's hard to navigate all these issues, and I'm sure there will be some people that are offended in other in some ways or other. But it's a discussion, and yeah, I mean, you know what. The biggest thing to me is JT's got to know he's a role model. And so, like, I think he's pretty embarrassed about... I think he's genuine in being embarrassed about it. And I think he's genuine sure. and going to be doing a good job of, of carrying himself in a way that reflects well upon him in the future. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on. Uh, a couple other to lighter things. things. <laughs> yeah, a couple of lighter <laughs> things I want to touch on um, that have happened over the last little bit in golf. Um Usually it's from the week, but you know it's been it's been a few weeks since there's there's been a tournament and we've done one of these. So um, one of the interesting things I was reading about was uh, that in his quest for 215 mile per hour ball speed, that uh, Bryson was hitting with long drive champion Kyle Berkshire. Um, and I guess they <laughs> they were talking about how these guys are swinging. They're you know they're they're going back and forth, swinging as hard as they possibly can into into nets and using have you have you hands. seen the videos or no? I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, they they got you know thunderstruck Bryson's, Bryson's uh, place. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. So I, I, doing a little reading about it, I guess what they're trying to do is they're they're going so hard and they're getting so amped up. He's <laughs> Berkshire said that he's actually blacked out before that he's gone so hard at this for yeah. so, for so long, um, and I guess Bryson was saying he didn't quite get there. He got some tunnel vision, but he didn't quite get to the point of blacking out. But so I guess the idea behind this is that you're going so hard that you're you're trying to break down your central nervous system and the limitations that your your central nervous system has placed on your body, and then trying to retrain it. To push the limits of what. So sorry, when you say going can... so hard, do you mean like like aerobically or like like I don't I, understand. You know what? I've never got to this level, so I don't exactly even know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an intensity and uh, 
aerobically i'm sure and i don't know i've never i've never but like been is there. it like a is it like a like they're working themselves into like a, a a frenzy i think so to a to a certain extent yeah you got you got the music playing to jack you up and you're 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 giving her this is like this is like viking berserkers trying to get into valhalla like they're just trying to get themselves into a... i don't even get it so like if you're an nfl running back and you want to do that like i get it like go pound you're gonna like burst through that like line but then like <laughs> bryson needs to be like do that but then like tight rope walk uh, like between two buildings like he needs to get to the putting green, but he's blacked out from all his, like, <laughs> rage. Like, well, well maybe it's more like he's doing this. It's it, He's doing it in practice and then and then <laughs> extending so you, his did, ability that he then takes on to the course. Did you um, guys see his interview uh, post-round today? Talking about the 48-inch driver and... How it's definitely, you know, it's definitely going to... depends gonna on the come, course, right? Yeah, it depends on the course. He was afraid, you know, it's going to be too long for Kapalua. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which, that's a long course, so... Well, um, the thing, I, I think it's more just... Or from what he was saying before the Masters, I don't know how, how much stock I'm going to put into it being too long. Essentially, he hasn't got his miss. Like, the thing... One of the things, I think, in the, the absurdity of Bryson that we miss is... For how far he hits it, he is hitting it super accurately. Oh, yeah. Um, and so the 48-inch driver, I think he just hasn't gotten it to a narrow enough um, sort of dispersion of, you know, obviously if he if he totally loses it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be lost. But his actual narrow dispersion, um, he hasn't gotten to a place that is, is really going to be something he can put into play in a strategic yeah. way on the course. It's not going to be advantageous for him yet, yeah. but I assume he's going to get there. So I'm excited to see it. What I'm picturing in my mind is like, if you guys remember in the Olympics, like before those big, like Olympic lift competitions and they're about to go out and they're like getting the chalk, they're like banging their bodies. Like ah, ah, almost like you're <laughs> like a haka. And then yeah, like, I've gone to like the gym chalk, with like, you before back when you were <laughs> playing football. <laughs> I know exactly what that's like. Box, and he's just like, <laughs> He's just like getting himself all riled up, and then there's like people thirty feet away from him trying to putt, and like, oh, like Bryson's got to like get all amped up. Um, but uh, you know what? For all for all the making fun, I feel like there's a lot to the you know because in other interviews I, I've heard him talk about how he I forget what it is he uses, but he'll use something that like actually analyzes his brainwave so that he can try to get into the right frame of mind before shots or before putts and you know like he gets made fun of a lot for being a mad scientist and all that kind of stuff but you know any scientific study into meditation shows that you can like you can do you can affect your own frame of mind so if there is some way i mean sports psychology is a huge thing so essentially it's sort of just like new potential quirks and variations on things that I think have shown to have effect. Well, and, and make, make no mistake, you know, this whole distance movement or whatever it is that he's driving, it, it's, it's not just him anymore. Like there's what he's done has been noticed. And there are a number of other players out there that I've heard about that have, are experimenting with longer shaft drivers now, you know, yeah, like, and it's, like it's here. Is it- He's a super easy target, and that's why I make fun of him. Like, it's, the quotes he serves up, like, he's a super easy target, but you cannot knock, like, his dedication and how hard he works. Like, he is clearly one of the hardest workers 
on and, and he's he's found as an athlete he's found what drives success you know that he's looked at he's bro- broken it down and seen what leads to success on the pga tour and he's gone after it so um you know let's see let's see how far he goes well he Don't had you? a he had <laughs> what felt like a not a great tournament and he ended up tied for fifth so exactly. you know the, yeah. the reality is bryce is playing great golf and he's going to be winning a lot and so um yeah, it's yeah. going to be entertaining to watch the whole way along. <laughs> it will be entertaining for sure. So, so speaking of uh, you know some of these equipment and stuff, we have some equipment and sponsorship sponsorship changes that uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to say, uh, <laughs> or that we wanted to talk about. Um, the first one we already touched on: Rom uh, joining Callaway, and that that was a pretty successful, I think first tournament it'll be interesting to see i think he played callaway in college if i'm not mistaken Um, it's a big it's a big one though like in terms of these equipment manufacturers like taylormade has a host of of the stars and so for the callaway to steal Mm -hmm. rom from them um it's notable for sure yeah maybe yeah um and then i was gonna make a coup joke there but it seemed like it was too soon (laughs) too soon (laughs) um and then Adam, I think you know you wanted to talk about another one. Well, Patrick Reed is no longer a Nike athlete, but he's not any athlete. Like he doesn't have a clothing sponsorship deal right now, which is, seems one of the most bizarre things I can think of. So he's wearing this G four, which I haven't heard of before. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I haven't heard of before this week. I'm not a big. It could be Gafour. <laughs> I'm not sure. It could be. G G G G. I don't. I don't even know. Man, I feel like if it were me, I would just look for that Kirkland signature. Are they? Are they sponsoring? <laughs> Who's Costco got on their uh, team? The Costco team. They have a ball too. They have a ball. They do have that ball. Oh, they got a Kirkland signature golf ball. It's probably like a rebranded Pro V. I bet. So I mean, oh. the funniest things with Patrick Reed. I didn't think much of it until the broadcast on Sunday, and he fell off a little bit Saturday, and he wasn't playing great Sunday. And the broadcast says that apparently he's been dealing with blisters and shin splints. And it, like, granted, it is it is one of the hardest courses to walk around. I was going to say it doesn't look like it's an easy walk, but it sounds like he's lost his Nikes and he has new shoes that are not treating him well, or he didn't get them broken in. I don't know. Maybe he's got to talk to, what, Freddie Couples, boat shoes guy? Or uh, Skechers, Matt Kuchar. He can go dancing oh, after rounds. <laughs> get some of those old yeah, man shoes. Right. You got to um, get something comfy, though. And then the other super weird one I heard on the broadcast, I don't know if you guys heard this, that Daniel Berger, whoever his club manufacturer is, I don't actually know who it is, they don't make his clubs anymore, like the 2010-2011 version. So he went on eBay and bought all the sets of 2010, like whatever year his club is and bought like all the sets he could find. Man, That's, I would just like, I'd be sitting on that, those clubs be like, just wait, I'm going <laughs> to charge yeah. him so much once he's <laughs> used those ones up. <laughs> like, we're talking Do you about, know how much this guy's worth? <laughs> the world number 13. And yeah. I don't that, know. It, it just seems bizarre. It seems bizarre that the manufacturer can't make some kind of exception, or and, like some custom club maker couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> can't can't match the specs, or it, it just seems bizarre to me that these guys have to fight like this to find their clubs. I know, I know there was another story like that with I've heard with Henrik Stenson with that his famous three wood. He mm-hmm. he had one, and then he had a backup, but they were like the last two that he knew of of that generation. 
Um, and then I also heard just recently Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I was going to say, I just heard one this week, Scotty yeah, Scheffler. So he cracked his three-wood, I want to say. I think it was his oh, three-wood. Three-wood that, that he's playing been playing since college. For like 10 years, and I guess maybe not 10 years. Not that old, but he just seems. Um, he just looks like he's. <laughs> but yeah, so he's been playing with it forever, and and I guess he had his wife bring out ten clubs or something out to Maui, and he was trying to find. Oh, something. that's funny. Yeah. So, but don't some of these guys like replace their wedges every few tournaments? I think or, some of them do. Every, yeah. I think I Tournament. think. So I was again that one of those Taylor made on YouTube. Yes, I saw that one with like, I think Rory Tiger and... and Rory. We're talking about replacing them every week. Well, Tiger said, but I don't play that often, so it's like yes. nine or ten times it's a like year. twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's just so crazy that, like, the, you know, the grind on the face of their wedges and their grooves is so precise that they notice after. I, I hope those are, like, a, a charity auction thing or I'll something. take the charity auction thing. <laughs> I am a charity. I need, I need a new <laughs> set of wedges. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think of when, how old my wedges are. They're at least ten or fifteen years at this point. Probably use a new set. I just it, it baffles me. I mean, I get it because when you're playing for the kind of money and and oh, stakes yeah, and everything that they are, that yes, the it's just sort of a cost of doing business. It's a but consumable if those are business. A landfill or something. I am like breaking my heart. No, there's I'm no sure, way I'm sure they won't. Now. No, there's no way. Um, anyways, let's move on from this equipment stuff. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell us about what's upcoming? Uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii. I think we're hopping islands. We're in Oahu, I want to yes. say. Oahu. Um, pretty good field there. Uh, Cameron Smith is defending champion. Uh, the one name I have of note is Takumi Kanaya. Keep an eye out. Keep your ear open for Takumi Kanaya. He turned pro in October of 2020. I think he's played in seven events. He's World's already won number one. one amateur before turning pro. World number one amateur from Japan. Um, he seems like a generational talent, and there's whispers he could be the first. He could, you know, take Unseen. over Matsuyama yeah. and be the first one to take a, a major championship to Japan. Wow! It could be like wow. a. A KJ Choi Y Yang situation. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay attention to that. That's interesting. Watch out for the betting market Monday morning to see where he comes out. Yeah. We'll, we'll be doing a full breakdown though of the Sony Open um, on YouTube. So if you're just listening yeah. to us, uh, go check out the YouTube channel. Sometime on Monday, we'll have that up. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're gonna try to get a uh, a bit of a recap of the Tiger documentary. Uh, that's just dropped tonight um, as we're recording as we're recording here so we're gonna you know absorb that and try to get a recap pod out if we can over the next few days so keep your eye open for that as well all right well anything else for this week guys i'm good I'm good. good. Nice to have good. golf back. That was a that was an entertaining one for sure. Yeah, it sure is. It's it's great scenery if nothing else just watching that tournament. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for listening. Uh please rate, review and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check out all the content these guys are putting up on YouTube. It's it's some fantastic stuff and I mean, follow their picks and you're going to be making some making some money in no time, right guys? Uh no no yeah. promises. 
<laughs> no promises. I was gonna say Confidence. making money unless you're not. It. I love <laughs> yeah. it. You either are, you aren't. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to talking more golf with you in the future. Take care, everyone. Yeah. See you guys. See you guys. Okay, we're good to. St-